Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm, and we're here for hangouts and headlines to primarily hang out and read at least one headline here. We actually have two set up in the description to this video, but one is really just because it was the headline that was directed to me, and, and we'll take a look at the website uh, in just a minute when we go over the headlines, but it's just apocalyptic. It's not where anybody would want to read things. There's so many ads and pop-ups and other things uh, coming into your vision. The other is deadline, uh, which you may or may not be familiar with as kind of a little bit of a more tabloidy Hollywood coverage uh, type website. Uh, but we really have a light one today in terms of those headlines. I think in the future, I'm going to be trying to make the Friday episode in particular, not that there can't be lightness and frivolity in the rest of the week. I'm going to try to make the Friday episode a little bit lighter uh, than usual. So we do have an interesting case about a very popular TV program, especially in the U.S., called The Office, obviously based on a U.K. series. I know folks from uh, the U.K., it's yours. We we took it. We, we changed it. I get that. Uh, but it's very popular, at least uh, in its U.S. form uh, here in America. Uh, and so NBC Universal has found itself embroiled in a lawsuit, which I think is pretty interesting. And we'll talk about it just a little. It's not going to be one of those uh, advanced media critical reading sessions, because frankly, I think I just want Fridays to be a little bit more hangouty, a little bit more chill uh, with how we interact with each other. So first and foremost, of course, how is everybody doing? Uh, I did see some rather uh, shocking news when I woke up this morning about ja uh, Japan's former prime minister uh, being assassinated, which uh, is uh, just just wild. And I, I, I feel for the, the people of Japan and, and dealing with all of that. Uh, I saw that mentioned in the comments as well to this. So, um, uh, you know, know, know that we're thinking about you on that kind of thing. It's, it's absolutely crazy uh, of a story. I have to look into that further. I can't speak on it more fulsomely right now. Uh, but obviously, uh, just just a crazy story. Um, so uh, I, I do feel for you for that. Uh, we've got good mornings coming in. We've got Alabama's Gulf Coast. Ida's seen both versions of The Office. I have to admit, I think so have I. Um, I think uh, I think I've seen uh, Ricky Gervais and, and Bilbo Baggins uh, in The Office uh, uh, in the UK version. But I have to also admit that I'm more familiar with the US version. Apple Pie says Hoglaw Casual Fridays. It's actually a great name for him, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's just a good way to head into the weekend. I suspect this was a, a week when I was coming back from vacation and otherwise uh, dealing with a, a lot of important stuff in, in the legal side of things uh, that we will get um, more serious stuff throughout the week than we did perhaps this week. Uh, and I think it'll be a nice palate cleanser, nice setup for the weekend, nice setup for whatever will come the week to follow uh, to have a day that we can say, hey, you know what? Maybe we just read, you know, Thor, uh, what is it, Love and Thunder uh, reviews and talk about how we write movie reviews or whatever. We're not doing that today, folks, by the way. But in just in terms of an example uh, for what we might do here in this space, if you find something that you think um, is cool or interesting and fits that kind of casual Friday mold, uh, we're not going to be as bound to trying to have it hit time constraints and be, be close and topical in the news uh, for those kinds of things. So let me know. As I always say, DM me. Uh, I can't be everywhere. I can't see everything. And I like to talk about these things with you, hang out, have fun. Uh, but uh, I'm sure there are great articles that I'm missing all the time because I only have uh, so many eyeballs and sets of eyeballs. Mrs. Hoglaw, of course, is on the case uh, as well. Uh, but we are only two people, as it turns out. Uh, morning from Dallas, Texas. Morning from Yorkshire. I think I said that right, maybe. 
uh, of the UK. Uh, I know I'm supposed to say Yorkshire here, here in America, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Handwave from the UK, handwave emoji. Love it. Movie reviews don't tease us like that. I was just thinking that it could be fun. Uh, you know, just going over a, a popular game that came out, a popular TV show or movie, and, and looking at reviews um, of those various things. I'm still trying to get some postmortems back and set up for those of you that haven't been in virtual legality with us for that long. I do like to do uh, kind of reviews, critique, criticism um, of uh, shows that I've watched, movies that I've watched, games that I've played. Uh, a little less frequently on that last one just because games are so long. Uh, but to get those out there, have those conversations, we've done them in the past in this channel. And I, I want to get back to that a little bit um, and, and have fun with those as well. Just generally have a little bit more fun here. It's been a very serious uh, month, two months uh, in uh, my interactions with the Internet, basically in this channel or otherwise. And I really want to see, um, you know, some of that some of that fun and lightness come back. Virtual legality was effectively about talking about important stuff, business and law, obviously, but through the lens of fun stuff that we otherwise like to read about um, and not so much seriousness. Uh, Cormoran, Hogue, Love and Thunder. Yes, that's what I go by. That was my old law firm nickname, of course. Uh, you get the smiles, but you don't want to be on the other side of the negotiation. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, as a Japanese viewer, I'm grateful for the lighthearted stream this morning. Yeah, I... It, and I, I know I mentioned it at the top of the video here, but I apologize for that kind of uh, contrast. But I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, that it works for you. I, I wasn't expecting to see that news. I was checking it. I, that's why I was maybe a minute late to start this episode as I saw it referenced in the comments. I said, wait, what happened? Um, and so I was reading uh, some of the news up there. Uh, Apple Pie, Hogue, let's be honest, it's been serious since 2012. It's, it's, it's a serious time in the world, obviously, and we've got all sorts of concerns on a regular basis. I don't know that we need to focus on those in this space, uh, right? And obviously, I cover things like very important Supreme Court decisions here, and so I like to talk about those things, talk them through with you. But Hangouts is first. And I'm starting to remember that when I say the name of the show because I want it to be about you know chatting with you, talking with you all. You know, much to the chagrin of the people that click on these and say, wait, where is the headline? I'm trying to put chapters in every episode. I'm trying to add to the archive of just the headlines. We're working through it all together. We're having fun this summer, experimenting with start times for the episodes, exactly how that archival process should look. We do have some new kind of assets and things that are going to go into an intro for just the headlines to separate them out in people's heads a little bit more, because I know people were getting potentially confused by that, and that's entirely my fault. Uh, but yeah, yeah, let's... Let's be a little bit more casual, even when we're talking about things like trademark lawsuits, because the law and the various ways that especially giant corporations interact can be funny, right? And it can be interesting, but it can also inform, you know, how we see the world and what we understand it is to, to have happening. Um, let's see. Newt says, should be caught up and not listening to Hogue at two times speed very shortly. Yes. As long as my enunciation survives that process, watch me at whatever speed you like when you're behind or otherwise watching the archives. I personally watch myself at 1.75 when I'm doing editing passes and things like that. Uh, so I definitely get it. Um, see, what else do we have here? Uh, and there we go. Hogue at regular speed. That was a short story told in two chapters, but I loved it. It was riveting. Well told. Um, uh, somebody says it's fantastic. I don't know what people is responding to here, but many people dislike racing here because NASCAR is viewed as a highly political and Southern sport. Probably an F1 reference would be my guess. Don't know. 
Um, yeah, you know, it also goes in a circle. Um, so I know a lot of people like it. I'm not disparaging that. It was never part of my growing up or anything like that. Um, I tend to like road races more um, because they seem more interesting uh, to me. Uh, and yes, verified F1. All right. Uh, pretty good times. And uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's about it. Um, as I said, uh, anybody that wants to put forth headlines, absolutely fantastic. Anyone that wants to otherwise bring up topics of conversation that you just want to chat about. Obviously, you know, we're not we're not limiting ourselves to super chats or anything like that here. I like to talk to everybody that I can, although I do see a super chat here and I want to make sure I get to it. Cheeseball456, great to see you back. Afternoon from Scotland. Hello, Scotland. Finished Final Fantasy VII. Good call. Totally get the hype behind a remake and remaster. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Final Fantasy VII is one of the best. Uh, and then definitely play Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, because it may not be exactly what it seems to be on its face. Um, and I'll leave it at that. And then when you finish Final Fantasy VII Remake, I think I have an hour and a half post-mortem here on this channel where I... Uh, both talk about what I like about that game and what I dislike. Um, so you got the whole package ready to go in case you want to join the Final Fantasy VII remake conversation before Final Fantasy VII quote-unquote rebirth comes out. Uh, what is supposedly late next year, I don't think Square Enix is going to hit that timeline. As you can tell, though, folks, I'm always happy to talk video games. I love, in fact, one of my favorite questions here in this space as of the last couple of months uh, are folks that maybe don't play that much or otherwise asking for tips on what they should play, what they enjoyed in the past. I love having those conversations. Uh, heck, that might be a show at some point because I love having that conversation with people that don't necessarily game a ton uh, and, and helping find things that people love because gaming is so big at this point uh, that it, you don't have to at all enjoy you know, military shooters to find something that you like in interactive entertainment, if we're being haughty. Uh, about what it is. So absolutely. Those questions are fantastic. Thank you so much for the super chat. As I say, you know, uh, all of that support counts, all that support matters, helps me keep the lights on, helps me do the episodes like this, do shows like this uh, on a regular basis. So thank you so much. Uh, it is very, very much appreciated. Hello from Dubai. QP was mentioning that F1 is finally catching on in the US. That might be, I've started to get a lot of questions about it so much. So it's like, wow, do I need to, do I need to be watching it uh, more often? Uh, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, B19 says, I love the hangout portion of hangouts and headlines. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. This channel, I'll just speak on this philosophically a little bit. This channel has become something uh, a little bit different than what it started out as over the last few days. You've been able to see me put out what are my virtual legality prime episodes. We did a uh, video on the Final Fantasy 14 billboards that were purchased and how that interacts with their materials usage license agreement, uh, which, as I say it and describe it in that summary description, even I'm bored by. But I think the video does a great job, hopefully, you know, toot my own horn here, uh, of explaining how these various documents work together, how confusing they are, and what, if any, issue there might be from the legal perspective of these billboards going up and using assets from somebody else's material, how the intellectual property rights work. And then uh, yesterday I did a video on the Sony PlayStation side and what really hits more than just gaming, which is this notion of digital ownership, right? I would be willing to bet that most people that watch this episode or watch any episode online or otherwise have uh, purchased something in a digital capacity, whether that's a song from iTunes, a movie from Vudu, a video game from Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, Steam, wherever. 
Um, and one of the things that happened yesterday, and I, I did a video on this, you can check out, is that PlayStation, which closed their movie store as of August of last year, seems to have had written in one of their third-party licensor contracts that a year after that happens, not only can people not go into the store to buy new things, but for at least one studio, Studio Canal, they don't have access on their servers to the movie anymore as of this first anniversary date. Meaning, this is the big fright that has always accompanied digital ownership. Ownership. It, meaning that when they actually shut that down, despite the fact that you bought a Studio Canal movie, you'll no longer have access to it. Because if you actually read the terms of service in all of these platforms, you're not buying any permanent right to access the movie. You're buying a license that in almost all cases is limited by the ability of the platform provider to actually provide the content from the third-party licensor. And I think that's a big deal. And, and it hit the pages of Variety, um, of all things, just the PlayStation Store having this happen. And only right now, as we know, in Austria and Germany, it might be the other jurisdictions as well, but we haven't seen those notices yet. And it really calls into question the whole process of, of digital ownership and, and otherwise interacting in the digital space um, in a way that, as I said in that video, I can't imagine the other purveyors of digital goods and services were terribly happy about. If you are otherwise making a ton of money selling songs by Apple or uh, movies through Voodoo or whatever, you don't want headlines being these people lost all their rights uh, to that particular movie access. Uh, that makes you look bad, even though it's a different party signing different contracts. Uh, so a lot of fun there. I love doing these various things as well. But the point of that sojourn into describing what I did in the last two virtual legality episodes is like, that's that's what we did. That's what we did for coming up on four years now. It'll be the fourth anniversary in November. And then um, we also occasionally did guest spots, especially with Alita and Legal Bites and, and otherwise out online. Then we did Dep V Heard, which became a big thing. Uh, and started Hangouts and Headlines. So now we have this kind of bifurcated two-show approach to this channel. And then within Hangouts and Headlines, of course, are Hangouts and Headlines. So not only are we bifurcated across those two specific shows, but within this show, we still have people that come in the comments and say, oh, I love the Hangouts. Fantastic. Oh, I love the Headlines. Why can't you get to it faster? And the answer is different episodes are going to be different. I'm going to try to remember to put chapters in all the descriptions of the videos that label, hey, this is Hangouts. We'll always start with a Hangout. Because frankly, it's early in the morning for me. I like to get started by just chatting with you all, looking at questions, uh, answering folks and having fun. Then we'll do a headline and then we'll probably do a follow-up hangout and then we'll be out. And lately, these have been about an hour long. I think that's a good time. Uh, if they can be two hours, that's a great time too. Uh, we've got all that time allotted depending on what are the needs of the day. But it's been a very interesting kind of philosophical balancing act uh, between you know when do you make a virtual legality episode when do you do these particular Hangouts and Headlines episodes? Exactly what headlines do you focus on? Especially now that we're moving out of Depth V Heard headlines, although I still get sent a lot of them. And I'll probably start doing one a week if they continue. Uh, those would have been like the Tuesday time slot for this week. Um, and then moving into other topics, having a lot of fun with those, but figuring out what it is that people respond to, react to. It's all a lot of fun. I love this stuff. I love having these conversations with you, but it is an interesting evolution of the channel. Um, and I'm all for it, but I love seeing, you know, chats like this. I love the hangouts portion. Fantastic. I think that's awesome. And I will continue to try to deliver on these things. God W good morning, Hogue. Finally caught you live. Good morning to you. Absolutely. Um, 
my wife co-counsel says you will love the clipped out versions he's working on for just headlines i think someone responded by saying i don't like the hangouts at all that's totally fair uh like i said different minds reasonable in all cases can differ on this stuff uh, and i totally get that <clears throat> uh yvonne burns what in the name of the wee man is a dunder mifflin is that a hobbit that didn't make the cast funny you should mention hobbits in relation to the office, although I think Dunder Mifflin is specifically the name of the United States office. Um, but yeah, Dunder Mifflin is the fictional paper company at the heart of the NBC adaptation of the office as a TV show. Um, so we're going to get to it. It's this is really about trademark squatting um, and interactions that people have to go and register things that maybe don't belong to them and otherwise get into trouble with giant multinational corporations. Uh, that have a use for the trademarks that they've otherwise registered. We're going to talk a little bit about that, the Trademark Act, all that fun stuff um, in, in just a minute. Pew Pew says, Morning Hogue, entomology of wanting versus insufficient. I hear wanting a lot on LawTube and wonder if that just has specific legal meaning. Um, no, I think lawyers very often like turns of phrase and leave you wanting or what have you is a very kind of archaic, uh, description of being insufficient, frankly. Um, and so I know I'm guilty of this. My wife will regularly tell me uh, that whatever phrase I just said, whatever word I just used uh, has archaic next to it in the dictionary. That used to be a running joke, especially early on in our relationship, that whatever I said um, was something that was old, uh, idiomatic, and not used by normal people. Um, and so I think lawyers as a group, I don't want to speak for everybody, of course, uh, tend to like words, tend to like wordplay. You know, I do a lot of puns here in virtual reality. I love that. I did learn very quickly that YouTube, the robots, the algorithm hates puns, hates them because the robot, the computers are like, what, that's not a thing. Um, nobody's looking for that. Um, and so what I tend to do now is put puns either in the slug line, uh, for, you know, in virtual legality for the descriptions of those videos or in the thumbnail. And then the titles, if you look at that, are a lot more kind of rote. Here are what the search terms would be. Here is like an index version of what this video is um, rather than kind of the fun titles. And I learned this early on, right? You learn so much stuff doing this um, on a regular basis. I like to write my titles. If I had my druthers and robots didn't matter, as punny as possible. Uh, and, I, and you can go in early on in virtual legality, you can see me just making ridiculous kind of Leslie Nope from Parks and Recreation style headlines. Um, but... That changed as we moved on. So I think people using wanting are just people that find it cool. Um, and yeah, cool is a relative term, especially for lawyers and people that, you know, word wrangle. Um, but I like wanting more than insufficient. You've probably heard me use it. It's the same reason why, uh, you know, when when Rob of Law and Lumber and the discussion was happening in depth, he heard about whether you can find purchase in some capacity, uh, meaning to find a foothold on something uh, was a standard usage of the word by Amber Heard. I, I'm leaning back and saying I use uh, finding purchase like all the time in terms of a successful argument or otherwise. And it was still used oddly there. A lot of odd turns of phrase, of course, in that testimony. Uh, but yeah, I, I use I use purchase that way. I use wanting that way. Uh, so I think it's a lawyer thing more than a law tube thing. Uh, Matova, I mean, to be fair, saying digital ownership when it comes to movies, music and games is already, in my opinion, wrong. You do not have ownership at all as laid out in nearly all stores terms of service. Well, so. The game that they play here, right, is that you own a license, a license being a separate property right than the content itself. And that would be fine 
if you know you were negotiating that license and it said it was perpetual and irrevocable and that's what you'd negotiate if you were uh, you know actually looking to figure out what you're going to purchase in a corporate setting or something along those lines instead what the licenses say is you have a license and it's yours until it isn't and all of these companies are rowing in the same direction they all want you to believe that you've purchased something because that's how they make their money so all of them are trying to avoid the situation like this which is good they have the right incentives but still these kinds of things can happen and it puts the fear of god i think in everybody that has any kind of investment in digital ownership and, and as i said in that video playstation who has lost the rights it looks like at the end of next month to have people actually get these films and they might correct it we don't know it's getting enough press that they might try are in the business of selling digital goods and they even have a version of their most popular console the current console the playstation 5 that is digital only that doesn't have a disk drive at all and if you have one of those and you see this particular situation and you know they're selling you third-party content i think you worry like what did you actually negotiate in your contracts playstation what are you doing um good morning all did i miss dunder mifflin nope we're just hanging out still absolutely didn't miss anything we're going to talk about dunder mifflin and steve carell john krasinski uh trademark lawsuits all in a little bit stephanie says she bought a ticket for hollywood vampires next year that being johnny depp's band as we saw referenced a number of times uh in the trial uh what else we got here um we have brit i haven't heard from brit in a little while with a super chat the button says buy or purchase they should be forced to put license or lease i know they are saying buy the lease yep that's exactly right but that is not what people think so it is shaving the law i haven't heard that phrase before in my opinion i i tend to agree right and i'm a i'm a contract attorney i'm a business lawyer i work with companies on putting together language i'm generally uh pretty okay with folks making clear what's in their contract and being allowed to contract for what they want but i agree that the buy button i think is misconstrued by basically everyone on earth there aren't a lot of people that are dropping in on virtual legality and saying hey you know what that hogue you say buy, but he means buy the license. And you look at these terms of service, I have a greater understanding of what that means. No, you put the word buy, you put you put the word purchase in your press release and people think that they have an ownership stake, that it can't just be pulled away from them uh, at any time. And I don't blame them at all, right? I think this is an area where you could find yourself in an actual regulatory setting or otherwise being held accountable in some way for what looks to be verging on, I would never make an accusation like that in this space, but fraud, right? The concept being that if you have to use buy and purchase and whatever, and then you put in, in the PlayStation case, purchase does not mean purchase, own does not mean own, ownership does not mean ownership in section 11 pages and pages and pages into a terms of service document that people you know are not realistically going to read, that that's not the kind of thing that should hold. Um, and so I tend to agree with you, Britt. It's one of those rare areas where I think mostly they've gone too far with this. And you really should know that whenever you have to say, whatever you think you just read doesn't mean that. If that goes into your terms of service, the whole model should probably be rethought. Uh, but I really appreciate uh, that comment, definitely. Secret McSquirrel says, I love the Hangouts. I thank you so much, Secret McSquirrel. Uh, uh, Cormoran, Dunder Mifflin, the paper person's paper people. Yeah, got some plot lines from the show. Uh, UK office was Wernham Hogg. So close to Hogg. Didn't actually remember what the name of the company was uh, over there. Uh, Tiny Trifle says, I have to make finger guns when I say pew pew. Uh, it's the rule. 
it's funny when I when I think of Pew Pew, I have to be honest, I think of the stories of people that are otherwise in science fiction movies that can't help but make this sound when they're supposed to shoot their CGI guns. Um, and the difficulty that these directors or otherwise have in getting them to not move their lips when they're going pew, pew, pew um, off to the side or doing whatever they're supposed to be doing. Um, so I, I, that's how I think of it. But again, as I said it just now, I did do the finger gun off there. So I think you got a point. I think that's an acceptable point. Um, JC Gamer 18, what are your thoughts on the EEOC appeal with the Activision settlement? Almost no chance of success. Well, uh, I guess I'm, I have to back that up. I assumed you meant the California appeal. The EEOC and the Activision have settled. I don't know that there's been any movement there. California is appealing it, but they don't have any standing, uh, which that judge rightly found. And I've said that in a number of videos. But if there's an addition to that story, I'll, I'll look it up. I don't know what it might be. Uh, Pew Pew says, yes, finger guns. All right. They might be, they might be off to the side. I don't know how much you'll see them. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to remember to do that. Uh, you have been found wanting. Watch A Knight's Tale. You know what's funny? When I was answering that question, Kelly, I was thinking, okay, there's a scene where people are looking over somebody. Um, and it's, I think the whole one is you have been weighed and you have been measured and you have been found wanting. Uh, and it's used as something that the antagonist says uh, and it's flipped around uh, in that movie. That's a great Heath Ledger movie. That's, that's one of my favorites. Really, really weird when it came out, especially uh, because it was combining modern music um, with what is an adaptation, very loose, of the Canterbury Tales, A Knight's Tale. Um, but it is a, it is a good movie. I really like that. I say change your stars, uh, from time to time. I think you probably heard it in this space. Um, but great reference. Um, Mrs. Hoaglaw says, oh my goodness, it's still a joke and maybe not a joke. We still have to look up words you use. I'm sorry. Guilty as charged. I do try. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes that happens. Uh, JC Gamer 18, are you a Xenoblade fan? Yes. Xenoblade 3 coming out at the end of this month. And uh, if you read my friend's preview at IGN, uh, Travis, Thai guy Travis, um, he's uh, he's pretty positive about the game. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. As it turns out, with Forspoken moving out of the year and everything else moving out of the fall of this year, practically speaking, except for Ragnarok, which is now announced, um, this is going to be a the big month for JRPGs uh, here in America because we're getting um, Live Alive and we're getting uh, Xenoblade 3. Um, so looking forward to that. Great morning, Reasonable Minds, says Spark. Um, there's an art to YouTubing, says Apple Pie, like there's an art to Googling. There is a lot to learn about this. And every day I'm learning more. Uh, and every day, you know, I'm, I am working with people that I trust uh, in this space. And everybody asks questions of one another. And as I said in a text uh, to one of them earlier this week, uh, I asked for a, a tip on something. And they returned with this kind of Byzantine thing that they had to do to uh, to do it. And I said, man, everybody here, no matter how professional you think it might otherwise look, is putting these episodes together with what I described as duct tape and bubble gum. Um, and people would not believe like the, the various things that, that we do to try to make the chats work or to make the intro videos work or things like that. Um, and, and it's it's remarkable. So, you know, the next time you're on your favorite stream, you're talking with your favorite content creator, uh, just keep in mind, they're doing all sorts of weird stuff to make it even look remotely professional uh, and, and, to, and to work with you. I have a great deal of um, respect uh, for the effort that this takes, um, especially from others, right? I, I think we do a great job here, but there are so many people doing great jobs and it's not as easy as frankly it should be. 
Like there's probably a, a business model moneymaker to be made from just somebody that really streamlined this into kind of when, you know, Amazon figured out how to get you to buy things with a single click, doing that for streaming and having a YouTube interaction. That said, I love learning new things, right? I love learning new things. And that's one of the reasons I started this channel. And every single day, seemingly, you get a new weird thing from YouTube or you get a new weird thing um, from somebody else operating within your space. And it's all really, really interesting uh, to learn. Um, let's see here. Mrs. Hoglaw reiterating one of my important positions. I cannot comment on Ackman versus Quantum. I know that is disappointing to a lot of you. I've gotten that request a lot. I can't comment. I apologize uh, for that. But thank you for uh, reiterating that, uh, Mrs. Hoglaw. You're doing a great job uh, co-counseling for me. Um, let's see here. Thanks for that. Probably smart to not get on topics like that. This one specifically, I can't comment on. Um, Andrew D'Angelo says, I have a friend who is a professional software engineer and works at Google. He says, we're not actually using the internet. We're using Google. Google's a big presence, certainly. Uh, and, and YouTube, obviously a big part of that, especially for me. Um, uh, Apple pie voodoo, say it, Hogue, it's all voodoo. Power of voodoo, hoodoo, what? It's the power of the babe. Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, I think somebody asked Mrs. Hoglaw if she plays games. She says, I mostly play two-point hospital. You would not believe the number of hours uh, we have on two-point hospital. She's understating this. Uh, and Hoglaw is really good at finding me things I would like. She basically likes a lot of simulation uh, games like two-point hospital. She's playing Jurassic Park 2 uh, Evolution or Jurassic Park Evolution 2, whatever order those words are in, um, and enjoying putting together parks and things like that. Um, let's see here. Joshua Ford, Hoglaw, speaking of this year being great for JRPGs, looks like we also got Soul Hackers 2 on the way. Yeah, no, it's not bad for, for JRPGs. It's just that there's this hard stop like in July um, and the rest of the year is kind of going to be chiller, which is totally fine. Um, and I'm playing all sorts of things that I wouldn't have otherwise played. I think I mentioned it in an earlier video, might even have been yesterday's, that I'm deep into playing Elder Scrolls Online, which I hadn't checked in on in... I don't know, three years, four years, uh, because my brother, Tom, who will eventually be making his way back to the channel, two hugs are better than one episodes, will return at some point. Um, Tom, you're listening to this. I'm trying to get you back on. Um, but he works now at ZeniMax Online and they make Elder Scrolls Online. So I wanted to say, hey, maybe I can enjoy something that Tom makes. Uh, and Tom doesn't work on that. So it's not even really um, uh, real there. But it's been a great deal of fun. Um, and, uh, if you're in the North American server, you know, we can come hang out. You play cards with me like a Gwent from Witcher. I'm basically just now using Elder Scrolls online as a portal to play a different card game, which my daughters laugh at. Um, I love the Sims says spark tabulous Sims. Very, very popular game. Interesting business model. Cause they sell a ton of expansions to that game. Um, pew pew says Stardew Valley. And we love Stardew Valley and Hogue house. Uh, absolutely. And I think that's a good starting point to talk about Dunder Mifflin and The Office. We got, what, what did we do? We did 31 minutes of hanging out. So I think that's a good Friday to me. So hopefully that's okay with the rest of you. I really do like hanging out um, to start off these episodes. Helps us get to up to speed before we really dive into some of this legalese. Co-counsel's looking at me. What's up? The plant game? Uh, what is it, like horticulture? 
something. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to have to get her like a separate messaging platform or, or like just tell her that she can be the only person to DM me on a secret Twitter profile or something. Uh, but yes, I think I got Holder, Horticulture something, which is a puzzle game based on plants and alchemy uh, and things that she really liked. She liked it so much. Uh, she went flying through it. Uh, strange Horticulture. That's exactly right. Excellent indie game. A little bit short, um, but a lot of fun. And we have squeaky door references. The squeaky door will never change. Uh, my wife has now committed to not changing it. Um, but otherwise, yes. All right. Now, since she was worried we would actually get into the topics at hand before we discussed her plant game, let's talk about that topic right now. So here is the website from which the headline is derived. This is what was linked to me. Um, and I wanted to give it credit as I do. But as you can see, it's an apocalypse of actually finding information, and I can't get this ad box to stop running at all. The headline being that the office is being sued because of Dunder Mifflin, which I just wanted to comment on. is a useful headline. It's good for the thumbnail. It gets you to click on it. It also makes no sense. The office isn't a thing in this particular universe. It's a fictional concept. It's a TV show. Uh, being sued because of Dunder Mifflin, also a fictional concept. Not terribly helpful, but what is helpful is when we can go and look at some more details here from Deadline, which tends to like to write things like I like to write things in terms of puns uh, and long-winded headlines and is, like I said, a little bit tabloid-esque uh, in its approach to these questions. But you do see a little bit more information than we would have gotten from giant freaking robot. The office's Dunder Mifflin is at the center of NBC Universal trademark infringement lawsuit. Now, it's important to note here that NBC Universal is the one doing the suing, and the office's Dunder Mifflin is essentially the trademark that is at the center of this particular infringement lawsuit. This one could have been an episode of The Paper Chase. Ooh, puns right from the start. Paper Chase, of course, being a very famous movie slash book about law school, uh, and this being a legal matter about a fictional paper company. I got to respect it, Deadline. I do. NBC Universal is suing a company it calls a trademark squatter for the alleged fraudulent trademark registration of Dunder Mifflin, the name of the fictional paper company featured in NBC's The Office. So a couple of things come out here. First of all, you see some good reporting from folks that are used to potentially being in the litigatory crosshairs, right? They're not calling this other company a trademark squatter. NBC Universal is calling them a trademark squatter. And if that isn't good enough, even though we have already said it's them that's saying it, we're going to put that in quotes. Then we're going to throw an alleged on in front of the fraudulent trademark registration. So they're doing a good job of reporting on things that you need to report on in this way when you're looking at a court filed complaint. Because you don't know. When you're reporting on these things, you have no idea what the truth is. You know what one side is asserting as the truth, but way too often do various sources, especially in video games, which I'm more familiar with than anything else, Refer to them as having happened. Refer to the complaint, which is obviously to the benefit of one side over the other, as effectively true. Uh, and we talked a little bit about that in a different context yesterday with respect to the motion to dismiss. It's just super important for everybody to understand what they're actually looking at. Anybody on earth can make a complaint and file it in a court of law, and you can assert, assert anything you want. Now, there are rules. You can get in trouble if you're lying and all those various things. But as far as a reporter is concerned, 
There's no reason to believe any of it. So you should report on it this way, which is, hey, this seems like an interesting situation, but this is allegations and things like that, which is all very, very useful. The suit filed Friday in U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. And I didn't bring up the lawsuit here. I know we went through the motion to dismiss yesterday. Didn't want to bring up the lawsuit separately here. I just wanted to use this article to talk a little bit about these concepts and not the underlying specifics of the lawsuit. So if you are interested in that, you can go find it. It is a um, it is a federal court case, but I didn't bring it up in this video. Alleges that the J-Connect Media Group and its owner, J-Connect, checks out, built a business based on registering trademarks belonging to others. You see those quotes again. In order either to sell the marks back to their rightful owners or to profit from quote-unquote consumer confusion by offering branded merchandise associated with a popular TV show, movie, or video game with which it has no legitimate connection. So the allegation here from NBC Universal is that this company goes out there at some point in time and says, uh, Dunder Mifflin, that's us. Wayland Utani, that's us. Shinra Corporation, that's us. And takes names, brands, trademarks that are otherwise developed entirely fictionally for someone other's commercial use, like this case, right? The office has Dunder Mifflin as a fictional company named, I think there's even a scene standing in front of the sign in the very first episode of the US version of The Office. So NBC has been using this forever and ever. They made it up to use it for this purpose. And in general, we're going to take a look at the statute in just a second. You're not allowed to just go and say that thing that exists that people have some affection for that could otherwise be used to sell tote bags or sweatshirts or what have you. I'd like it. I'd like to take it. No, that's that's generally not allowed. Much like copyright, trademark actually affixes the right to it as soon as you use it. You don't have as strong of the ability to protect it. There are benefits to registering it. But as soon as you make something, as soon as you use a trademark in commerce, as soon as you write a book for copyright purposes, you have that intellectual property affixed to it. It's automatic. And then you register it in order to get those benefits. Now, if you don't, and there's a timing issue, and there's a there's a fight about that, you could find yourself in trouble. Here, however, NBC broadcast this nationally and broadcast it years before this a filing for the words Dunder Mifflin appears to have taken place. According to the lawsuit, the defendants registered the Dunder Mifflin name with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office about six years ago, which, uh, if you're doing your math at home, is notably well after the pilot episode of The Office in the U.S., which happened in, I think, the early 2000s, in order to market hoodies, shirts, jackets, and other apparel. So this company goes, says, hey, Dunder Mifflin is ours, and we're going to put it on clothing. NBC Universal says it tried to register the faux company's name in 2020, which is an interesting portion of this story, right? So they didn't even try to register this particular name until right now. Uh, and why that is, we don't know. New show, other branded merchandise, we have no idea. But its application was rejected because what the trademark office does is they say, okay, you're saying that you use this first, it's your trademark, but we have a registration from six years ago, which is also outside of some of the normal challenge timelines. And it just means that NBC wasn't monitoring for this particular filing. Um, and so we're out of the challenge timelines. We're going to have to sue over it. The lawsuit aims to end Jay Kinnett's media's use of the Dunder Mifflin name and to destroy any remaining branded merchandise. The plaintiffs, NBC Universal Media LLC, Universal Television LLC, and Universal Studios Licensing also seek unspecified damages and any profits already derived from the sales of the merchandise. It's unspecified because they wouldn't have the accounting they would need. We don't know how successful this company was in selling 
hoodies, shirts, jackets, and other apparel. We also don't know whether they even did, um, based on at least this description from Deadline, uh, because one of the things that you would do to get a trademark that you don't otherwise use is potentially tell the trademark office that you're going to use it on these various things in order to file for it. But there might not have been any sales. Based on the Ricky Gervais fronted UK series, The Office aired from 2005, there you go, a little bit more than six years ago, to 2013 on NBC. Steve Carell, John Krasinski, Jenna Fisher, Rain Wilson, and others led the ensemble comedy about the people in the daily grind at the Scranton, Pennsylvania branch of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. The sitcom remains wildly popular in syndication and streaming. It really is wildly popular. It was one of Netflix's most popular shows when they had that license, and it's one of the reasons that NBC, I think, even probably tried their Peacock experiment was that they pulled back the office over there uh, and are using it to be the centerpiece for that platform as well. So if you like the office and you want to buy Dunder Mifflin paraphernalia, this is all about NBC Universal trying to go get the rights to the name they created back. And if all that sounds like NBC Universal has a pretty good case, that's because they do. So when you're filing for a trademark, there's a couple of things that you have to do. This is the section 15 USC 1051 that talks about the application. And as a disclaimer, I'm not the lawyer that you ask to file your trademark applications. I just had a conversation with a prospective client about this yesterday. Folks ask me about this. And always I tell them, if you're working with a third party, you're working with a government official like the USPTO, generally speaking from a legal perspective, you want someone that is doing that on a regular basis. You want someone that potentially knows the examiner's name, that has been down this road, that knows their quirks and preferences, what have you. Uh, and so I always recommend boutique firms for uh, registrations of trademarks and patents and copyrights and, and things like that. But we all know the rules as the lawyers do, and I know more than enough to be dangerous on this particular topic. So 15 USC 1051 says, look, the owner of a trademark used in commerce may request registration of its trademark, which makes total sense, right? Hey, if you're using a trademark, we already told you it affixes automatically. You want to register it. Fantastic. You can do that. And that's okay. If you have an intention to use the trademark, you can file for it. A person who has a bona fide intention under circumstances showing the good faith of such person to use a trademark in commerce may re request registration of its trademark on the principal register. So you see the bona fide, you see under circumstances showing the good faith of such person. One of the issues that you could potentially have with this, and it's an issue that the USPTO has dealt with uh, historically at length, are people that go and they file for a trademark and they say, oh, we're going to use it for this. And then they never do. Uh, and there never was an intention to, right? One version of this business model, as NBC alleges, is that you go and you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to use it on lunchboxes and uh, bicycles. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Um, and then you just kind of sit back and wait for the company that actually owns the right to pay you some money to otherwise get out and get the trademark that they need because a lawsuit like the one that you just saw filed is going to cost some money. And so in general, there's a business model where you can quote unquote squat on trademarks and say, uh, look, you can pay me less than you'd have to pay your attorneys to actually go through this process. And if that sounds a little bit extortative uh, and not a great business model, not something that we should be looking fondly upon, you're right about that as well. But there are these gray areas that you can take advantage of. I don't think that they're fantastic. I think that there are reforms that could deal with at least some of this stuff. But the statute here is trying to say, if you don't have that bona fide intention, then this isn't a legitimate application. You also have to say certain things to the USPTO, like that the person making the verification believes that he or she or the juristic person on whose behalf he or she makes the verification is entitled to use the mark, right? Is it already infringing on somebody else's mark? 
And you have to say that to the best of the verifier's knowledge and belief, no other person has the right to use such mark in commerce, either in the identical form thereof or in such near resemblance thereto as to be likely when used on or in connection with the goods of such other person to cause confusion or to cause mistake or to deceive. So when NBC Universal comes in and alleges, aw snap, that there's an issue with this particular registration that it was, I believe, allegedly fraudulent, it is because they have a good case. In 2005, they established this name. They used it directly in commerce. They sold advertising on those shows that used that name within it. It is absolutely connected with their office product. And people know that, uh, that have any interaction with that product at all. And this company wouldn't appear to have any relation to it and registered it only six years ago uh, after the end uh, of the office on NBC. And so when you look at these particular issues, it seems that NBC Universal has a pretty good point to be made. Um, in terms of the use in commerce concept, that date concept, it means when you used it on goods or services that you, you first attached it to. And when you have to make those promises uh, to the USPTO, that in and of itself is an issue. Uh, and it's probably a part of that lawsuit, if we're being honest. The deadline didn't otherwise summarize for us that there's an argument to be made that says not only is it fraudulent because they didn't do what they were going to say they were going to do, maybe, uh, but also it's obvious that it was ours first and they knew it was ours first. Everybody knew it was ours first. They wouldn't just randomly come up with the name Dunder Mifflin uh, and potentially even logo stuff, depending on how they filed for its registration and go forward with this. So this is the kind of thing that can happen, but obviously it makes it in a deadline. It makes it into other kind of pop culture news items because it's interesting, right? It's funny. There's all sorts of things that are funny about this, including the fact that NBC apparently didn't try to trademark it until 2020. That's interesting uh, and certainly reflects a, maybe a change in approach or strategy uh, from NBC Universal on its face and that people are going and squatting. And potentially, if you go and you find something that has a Dunder Mifflin brand on clothing right now, it's not actually authorized by who you might think, NBC, uh, or even a third-party licensor. So these kinds of stories are fun to me. They are the kind of Friday casual stories uh, that, I, that I like to look at. No bad reporting here. We're not analyzing things to within an inch of its life, uh, but still some interesting things that we can pull out, including if you haven't, you know, go watch the paper chase. So just a light little headline today, and maybe in Fridays in the future, we will do maybe a couple of those because uh, they do tend to be shorter uh, in scope uh, and length. Uh, but otherwise, I just wanted to make sure uh, that uh, I gave a feel for what I would love to do uh, on these, uh, these Friday streams. Upside Down says, I used to work at NBC and says the NBC store does have the shirts. Now, that's interesting as part of this lawsuit as well, right? It is their trademark. There's no question about that in terms of common law. So they would have been okay. They would have felt fine selling those t-shirts. Um, it's interesting to see when that commerce might've started because I'd be willing to bet it was earlier than 2016 or, or 2017, uh, depending on when we're talking about for this other filing, that in and of itself could be evidence. Um, and that's, that's very, very interesting uh, to me. Uh, let's see here. I've seen Dunder Mifflin t-shirts. Now I wanna know if NBC did it or the other company. Um, well, you just heard reference to the fact the NBC store does sell these things. So chances are it is uh, also NBC. But if you've seen other ones or maybe even ones that don't look as high quality, I, it, it always depends on what they're doing with these logos. Um, it might not be NBC Universal itself. And if somebody else is selling them what they're looking for, what Deadline kind of describes in short form is they're looking for a disgorgement of those profits and then penalties for the infringement uh, on those various things. And it'll be interesting to see 
um, you know, uh, how that goes. Ordinarily, this is very threatening. You got a big multinational company coming at you and you're looking for kind of a settlement. Uh, but it is it is interesting. Um, Emily says, so they don't check before granting the registration of the trademark and just give it to whoever gets there first. Seems like a great plan. They do check. That's why they're called examiners. Um, but uh, sometimes things slip through the cracks. Uh, right. And if you didn't have any familiarity with the office at all, it just wasn't your thing. There's no reason necessarily that Dunder Mifflin would pop out to you. Um, so if you find an examiner that actually looks at that and says, hmm, yes, uh, that seems all legitimate. We have looked in our database. We've looked at a USPTO search and not found any other registration uh, for it. You're good to go. And that's why very often what you see, and this is where leaks come from, you see companies register everything under the sun that could possibly relate to their game, movie, TV show, or otherwise at the very start of when it's going to be used um, in that in that show or other uh, you know, pop culture item is you, you put it out there, you make sure it's registered. Bare minimum, you, you block this kind of concept where somebody just slips through and this happens. Honestly, most folks, if they aren't going to be, you know, trolling your trademark, are just going to make illicit things on the side and hope you don't come after them. They aren't going to actually try to file a registered trademark with the federal government uh, because, honestly, it's clear that they don't necessarily have the right to any of this. Uh, and so this is kind of the, the, the big move to, as I said, as NBC accuses them of, to try to sell it back. Uh, for what would be kind of nickels on the dollar for what the lawyers would otherwise charge. Um, so it's it's a business model of sorts, uh, but it's not a terribly productive one. Um, Lemon Fresh, what? Someone copyrighted a made-up game in the American version of a, Brit uh, of a British Ricky Gervais show? I'm confused. Uh, yes, no, they, they, they trademarked the name of the fictional company of the U.S. adaptation TV show of the British Ricky Gervais show. So there you go. Uh, Jane Ellis says, I love wordplay and quaint turns of phrase too. Yep. Words are fun. I will stand by that forever. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, co-counsel here giving her favorite uh, seemingly N64 games. I didn't even tell her that Pokemon Puzzle League is on the Switch now. Um, I would uh, never buy anything from Shinra Corporation. That would be a bad idea. They aren't great stewards of the environment, are they? Well, in any event. It's a Final Fantasy VII reference to those who don't recognize the Shinra Corporation. I also used Wayland yutani which of course is the corporation from the Alien universe. Lots of fun evil corporations out there in fiction, of course. Uh, someone dropped the ball. NBC has a store in the building selling all their premium products. It could be. Um, it could be, or it could be that they just said, hey, we don't even need to spend the money on trademarks because it's unlikely that people are going to come after us. And then they changed their mind in 2020. Um, I don't know what their policies are. You can have different intellectual property protection strategies. They might even switch to brand protection, you know, third party uh, counsel on this kind of stuff. And you can change uh, what it is that you want to do. Um, what's weird is I think I actually have some really old Dunder Mifflin merch and it would have come from NBC. Yeah. I mean, they're well within their rights to sell it once they've created it, but they don't have the right to police it exactly. I'm not going to go too far into this without the registered trademark. Um, so it's possible that <clears throat> they're trying to register it to police it better because they've seen an uptick in kind of black market Dunder Mifflin sales, which sounds much more exciting than it is black market paper company, fictional paper company sales. Oh, yeah. Uh, big, big market. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, are copyright laws specific to a country? Yes, but there are treaties. 
What if I decide to do the same from Switzerland? Would it be an issue? Depends on where you're selling it into, but I would consult with counsel is my recommendation. Can't give formal legal advice here. Like so many answers in the legal landscape, it depends on the facts and circumstances. And that's why ethically, we don't talk about things. That's why videos aren't legal advice. That's why they don't create an attorney-client relationship is because in all honesty, a lawyer would have to sit down with you and say, all right, what exactly are we talking about? And that's, that's how you get into those situations. Could they trademark Jim and Pam? I'm wondering at what point the asset becomes subject to trademark. No, Jim and Pam would be descriptive. Uh, that would be character names. And I'm saying this as not a USPTO trademark examiner. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but no, you can't just trademark everything. Uh, it's because Dunder Mifflin is a nonsense set of words that don't mean anything um, that they can trademark it as affiliated with them and the office. Um, but I get too far afield here. Uh, and maybe one of my trademark uh, colleagues at LawTube or otherwise will pop in uh, and, and talk to me about that. Um, what if you trademarked Death Star Industries? Who'd come after you? Death Star is owned by Disney. Um, you could probably see that reference when you when you buy a Death Star toy or what have you. Um, but you'd have to actually go and examine it, right? So you'd go in, you'd look at what trademarks are registered, you'd look at how they're used, but you know, I know, you know, Death Star isn't your creation um, and you could potentially use it in a different way. If it's not the Death Star, you could have a Death Star. I mean, there's all sorts of things that you could get into here, but that's why it's facts and circumstances based and I can't give formal hypothetical advice uh, on this stuff, frankly, because I'd be referring you out in any event. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, Chibi Moat says, yeah, they can vary per country. Yes, that's exactly right. But depending on things, some countries take precedence. I did work for an Australian that did me dirty for Twitch being a U.S. company. My laws came first. Yeah, there are different jurisdictions. It's not exactly priority. It's, it's where the jurisdiction lives. Um, and there's all sorts of questions there, but yes, definitely intellectual property rights protection varies by jurisdiction and then you have essentially compacts and treaties and agreements between countries that they'll acknowledge certain things uh, that are otherwise registered in other places. Um, so it works, uh, but not well. It's all kind of cobbled together. Uh, was just thinking of the office, says Flynn. Great timing. Wouldn't this have been covered by the trademark of the show? Did that perhaps expire and snapped up immediately by other people? Heard of that happening, especially with web domains. No, no, the trademarks are separate. The office is, is trademarked. I would imagine, <laughs> although it is just descriptive, but it is specifically the TV show, um, you'd have to actually trademark uh, everything that relates to it that you want trademarked, including Dunder Mifflin. That has to be done as a separate process in order to inform the world that it's registered, right? The whole registration process is not just lawyers trying to make magic spells and force you to do things that are jumping through hoops in order to get paid. It's designed to give the public notice of what things are protected uh, and otherwise to have that conversation from there. Um, I think it's likely that Michael Scott, uh, dropped the ball on the trademark duties. Yeah. Yeah. If Michael Scott were in charge at NBC, there probably would be issues with the trademarks and trademark deadlines. Um, you know, love him. Great salesperson, uh, but an issue. Michael Scott, for those that don't know, is the character name of the Steve Carell character and the, uh, branch manager of the Scranton, Pennsylvania branch of Dunder Mifflin in the office. Um, it's like a certain school trademarking the word the, that's right. And they won that trademark. Um, and I didn't, uh, discuss it too, uh, too much at length. Uh, but yes, the Ohio state university is officially the Ohio state university and has trademarked the, the in that capacity. 
uh, even though it is otherwise the word the uh, to uh, to you and I. Um, so I think that's about it for this particular headline. These questions are uh, fantastic. Uh, Upside Down also references Disney here. Disney is the devil with their trademarks. They sure are. Oh, my God. We have a guest. It's Mark. Oh, hey. You just fin you just missed us talking about this uh, this story. Oh no, uh, I missed it. No, we're, we're glad to have you here. Oh hey, sorry to yeah, sorry to join, join man. It's uh, Mark. Know. If they, if people don't know you, what is your background? What do you do, man? You mean in general? Well, uh, you know, oh, yeah. no, 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 not not just like what you hang out with and do on the weekends or things like that. But you know, in your legal capacity on your YouTube channel, what? Other, why you might be of particular interest to this story? Well, I'm an entertainment lawyer by trade. Um, I try not to do that as much as possible and develop TV and film instead. But, you know, sometimes, you know, it, get, it gets to you. Um, so I worked in Los Angeles for a long time doing that. Um, and also, I guess, particularly to this case, I almost uh, became a trademark squatter. You did. I did. Now, that's interesting because that's a specialty. That's like that's all you would be doing if you went that route usually. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it was actually in a very particular industry. You know what? I realized, I don't know if you can, if my mic's bad, I'm not in my headphones, but you sound um, fine to me. Okay. How about now? You still sound as fine as you did before. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it was absolutely a specialty. And the industry I was considering going into was super specialized. Uh, actually, the reason I was going to move into it is because it, trademark squatting didn't exist in that industry. Oh, um, right. And because, uh, you know, as I'm sure you probably discussed, copyright, you know, squatting and all those sort of different IP rights. It's much more common to do patent squatting and things like that. But trademark, it's a little more nebulous, right? Uh, what determines it? Because it can run for as long as possible. It's the, you know, it's the one IP that can run forever. So because of that, there are specific regulations about it. Um, and when you can use it, you have to continue to use it. So it gets weird. But um, right. people get confused about that, right? People are often asking me, um, you know, I heard that they had to take that Twitch stream down or whatever to protect their copyright. It's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're under no obligation to be an asshole on copyright. You are a little bit on trademark. <laughs> right. And yeah, and that's kind of the, yeah, it's 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 a very odd little thing. And so it wasn't as, as common, um, but I was going to do it actually when I was living in California for marijuana. Uh, trademarks. All right. Um, because basically the idea is the huge thing is where do trademark regulations come from? If you've talked about it, right? It com comes through either the patent trademark office of the federal government or very little cobbled together state trademark regulations that are only um, jurisdictional. They're only geographical. If you get a California trademark copyright protection, it might only last for like a hundred miles outside Los Angeles. Right. Oh, yeah. like, no, I, I didn't go into any details okay. here, Mark. No, we, so, we, we oh. did broad strokes. Well, basically, <laughs> the idea is uh, marijuana is not protectable by the Patent Trademark Office because it's federally illegal. So if an enterprising person maybe saw on the horizon, eventually the federal government um, legalizing marijuana, then maybe you could use all of these state trademark regulations and different things that you are doing to find that you have gotten the trademark uh, because the people who might have been using it 
a state away or two states away had no way to actually protect their trademark uh, yeah. in your area. And when they want to expand their business now, all of a sudden you have taken Dunder Mifflin out from under them. <laughs> right. Recognizing right. it. No, and that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's one of the really interesting areas. So yeah, Mark, you, that, that speaks to what I've been doing as well, which is when all of these states started to approve these things, you had all hell break loose for people that wanted to start, whether it was dispensaries or agriculture companies and all these things. And, you know, banks didn't know what to do or what they could or couldn't do. Uh, the various offices in the various states didn't know what they could do. As you rightly say, anything that touched federal had a problem. Um, and and so that makes, that makes a ton of sense. No, we just, as I said at the top of this video, my, my design for this on Fridays is essentially casual, mostly hangouts, chatting kind of superficially about fun stuff. Um, and I like uh, I liked this story for that purpose because, you know, folks that have never heard of this or, or, or the issue or, or Dunder Mifflin, we basically just talked about how you apply, first use in commerce, how this is very much looks like squatting, especially since it looks like it was filed in like 2019 or some 2018, something like that. Um, versus the start of the office where, as I said, you got Steve Carell standing in front of a Dunder Mifflin sign in like the fall of 2005. Yeah. Um, this company, this company literally applied for it in like 2016, 2017. Like that's yeah, okay. that the, the show had been over for years. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So no, I, and I, I, I wanted you to pop in because I, I, as I said, um, I refer this out when I talked to folks, I said, look, you want the guy that knows the examiner's name. You want him to know exactly what the quirks are, how you get it through. You'll always get a better result. I refer you out to Boutique for registration of copyrights, trademarks, and patents every single time. Look at you, you in-house. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm, it, I'm not an in-house lawyer. I never have been an in-house lawyer. What I, what I was was a big firm lawyer. Uh, and that was you call up the practice group or you oh, do sure. whatever. And so when you go and you create Hogue Law and you say, well, I'm, I'm still, I still function on, uh, you want to talk about tax structuring. I know a guy. You know, I want, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about trademark registration. You're just going to get better results. And mostly from my experience in big law, like all of my colleagues, or at least all the colleagues that I liked, um, you know, went off and created their own like little offshoots. And then, I, and then we just create kind of the sub uh, small firm referrals that we were doing anyway. Um, right. So the folks that I refer people to, I've worked with for 20 years, uh, but I, you know, I met them and worked with them at, at, at big law. Um, and it, yeah, and I don't know if people know that or if your audience knows that, but that's basically, you know, what happens in law is you kind of, especially if you work at a big place, if you're not at a solo prac or a place that has to do everything yourself, is that the only way you get work is by creating specializations for yourself, is by being the person to go to on this thing. And so then everybody, all the Rick Hogs of the world, hear that thing and they go, oh, let's talk to Mark and send this over to Mark. He knows this. And so then you have this entire network of people who do not, they, they know one thing. Each, each person knows one thing, but all collectively, you all know everything, right? Is kind That's of the, right. uh, the idea. That's right. Yeah. You know, and that's the story I give. I, I have a number of stories about how the channel started and, you know, how Hope Law started and things like that. But 2008 rolls around. I'm doing venture capital um, and uh, venture capital dries up. And so I become the SaaS guy because we didn't do we didn't do much sure. SaaS. You know, you, you talk to lawyers, especially at a big law firm who, you know, need help turning their computers on sometimes. Uh, and you say, all right, so this is like a software contract, but not. Uh, and we should have a practice group doing this. Uh, and so, you know, that's what I did. I did, I did SAS stuff because I like computers and I like technology and you're, you're exactly right. 
Um, and I can still think, you know, it's like, yeah, you get into the weird tax weeds, like some bizarre thing. And there's the one guy that like is in the back corner and can recite the tax code by heart. Um, and it's like, yeah, that's that's how the firm works. And and for any of y'all's viewers who want to litigate before the Supreme Court, and that's their goal, um, it's the exact same way to get there, is there are these certain specialized areas that only few people act in, but are frequently litigated at the Supreme Court. And so if you become an expert in, say, water law, right, then, or admiralty law, there is a much higher percentage that you're going to be able to uh, eventually go before the Supreme Court, because there's only X amount of people in, the, you know, and you just pick your specialty in water law, you're like weird one thing that you know, in water law. And guess what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what, that's going to be litigated at some point, And there's only going to be five people in the world that the client's going to call. You know? oh, that's exactly right, right? Like the, the, the southwestern <laughs> states now all fighting over river rights, like that's going to the Supremes at some point. Um, so you're there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so, yeah. And I can name I can name like the 12 people who would go up on a riparian rights issue. You know, like I just know. Them. You know, like that's just how it goes. No, no, not SaaS like SaaS. <laughs> SaaS like software as a service. Uh, although I can be pretty sassy depending on the day you catch me on. But <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, this is a reference to bird law. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. But you wouldn't believe it because especially when you go, you know, when, when I create Hogue Law, I've already expanded from what I was doing when I was at uh, my former employer. Um, and, and so you have to do that because you're reacting and you got to keep the lights on and children fed and everything else. You're like, all right, well, that's close enough. We'll learn that. And learning is fun. Um, and, and you can learn those things. But yeah, when you're when you're fully ensconced in the firm, you're essentially given instructions to you're going to hand this off. You're going to you're going to feed this practice group and this is what you're going to do. Uh, and if you're when, doing what I did, which was essentially corporate generalist venture capital mergers and acquisitions, you're going to go find his client, son. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, OK, all right. You don't tell us how to do that at all. And I'm a baby when I come out of law school, but we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Oh, <laughs> look, oh baby Hogue. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Imagining you practicing for as long as you say you've been practicing. I imagine that you got out of law school when you were like 16. So. Uh, it's very funny. <laughs> no, I think I just play young. No, I got out. Uh, so I graduated in 05. So that's, um, you know, that's 17 years uh, in practice right now. Um, and I spent most of that at big law firms. So I did it for, what, I think, 13 years. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I look back at that time and I actually say this to my wife all the time. I say, I don't, how did I do that? <laughs> like, 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 literally, how did I do that? Because I remember kind of, you know, oh, you should really be trying to get to 3,100 hours build. And uh, are you going to be a firm man or a family man? Like I remember all this stuff. Um, and I, I my, one of my biggest memories is coming home from like a, from like a December three closings over Christmas kind of situation and rolling into the house at like, I don't even know, two in the morning with like a Wendy's bag and like just dropping it on the floor and being like, I, I, what are, we, what are we doing? Because the thing is, after a certain point, you're just making the firm money. You're not you're just killing yourself. And that's not coming back to you. Well, um, yeah, and yeah, that's the big thing is that once if you're if, yeah, if you are killing yourself and you don't see that you're going to get a part of that pot, you know, like it's just like, what what am I doing? You know, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know if you remember my story or whatever, but I was like the folk hero of my 3L year because I went to a big firm, 2L, 2L Summer Associates, and came back and said, no, thanks. I would rather I would rather die than go back. Um, so I am a lot poorer than you are, I'm sure, Rick. Um, you know, but I, I, I didn't. I, I don't know. Starting your own firm is really, I, if, I, I don't even want to look at like the comparison points between where my where my salaries would have been, but I'm a lot happier. I will tell you that. Um, but yeah, no, you have different, you have different motivations, right? I get out of law school. Yeah. I want to kill the debts. Like that's, I want to, I want to yeah. hit the debts. And like, I just threw everything uh, at, at the debts. Um, and then it's like, okay, well, I'm halfway through. Let's make partner. Um, and then um, I, I think literally the moment I hit partner in 2014, like a, a light switch goes off and says, okay, you did it. Fantastic. You you crossed the threshold. You can say you were made a full equity partner at the biggest law firm in Michigan. Uh, now what? <laughs> right? Like, is this what you want? And it's like, it's like I'm driving home from the partner dinner and I'm like, we got to leave. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah, you just did it to get there. You know, I, you, you set goals, right? I, like, I don't know. Different people are wired different ways. But I'm like, all right, let's just let's go convince this group of people that they should name me partner. Um, and so, you know, I, I spent the next, whatever that is, six years, uh, from there, uh, after I get the debts paid off, um, saying, yeah, let's go prove that point. And then like the moment it happened, I was like, let's do something else. Um, and then I start the firm in 2016 and then I'm like, this is good, but I don't want to market the way that, um, I used to, I don't want to do the venture capital investor cocktail circuit. Um, I, I don't, I don't like it. Um, so let's figure out something else. And at that point, the, the way I tell the story is that there's um, there's a Patreon for a podcast that I listen to called The Easy Allies, do video game stuff from a garage in California. Uh, and they've got a patron slot that has marketing on it. And I say, all right, we'll buy that for a little while. Um, and I buy that and they have a great reaction. Like, is that a law firm? And uh, we do that for a little while. And then they start asking me questions about video game related legal stuff that gets pretty popular. And then I have a couple clients that join the firm um, that have YouTube channels. And I'm like, okay. And they're asking me about data analytics and like how YouTube works and robots and COPPA. You know, they're asking me about all these right, like, things. Right, and I'm right, like right. I have no idea, but let's go see how hard this is. Um, so I'm doing this on the other side. Let's let's do one of those. And so the very some of the very first content you see on the channel is I ask them, can I just take the clip from you talking about my answers and edit it and put it over here? And they say yes. You know, they're 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 lovely people. Um, and then I start practicing, you know, putting things together and putting videos together. But your first stuff is better than mine by far. Because if you look at those early videos, it's essentially like the Microsoft music player. Um, and, and like, uh, and like me using like zoom ins and then like cutting off where I want it to be from just like the, the, the stuff that is built into titles, uh, that right. you can put on, um, like your little tiny windows video things. Uh, so it's all the early thumbnail was just me cutting off the triangle portion of like that, you know, that like neon green italicized titling that you put on the bottom of things from the windows movie player. That just, that um, just but, gives you cred. This is all cred, man. Oh, it's you're, all your OG. <laughs> it's all bootstrapped is, you know, it's like, I wanted to not, you know, get into buying, you know, a thousand dollar video editing program or whatever. Right. So it's like, what can I do with the, 
vehicles I have. The biggest expense that I had at the start was I went and asked the easy allies, you know, what is, what's is the microphone setup that would work? Like, I don't need a soundboard. I, you know, right. I don't need to get crazy. Uh, and then, you know, they recommended me the, the USB mic that I still use. Now I have three of them now, uh, but it's, um, it's, it still works, uh, fantastically. And I'm so thankful to them. They, they answered any question that I had. Um, well, that's, you know, it sounds a lot like my venture into, uh, being a game designer, being like a, a board game or, you know, a card game. That designer right? That's right. Mark well, has made a card game that I think is going public very soon. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Indie boards and cards, uh, the company that makes coup and Avalon and werewolf, uh, they'll be releasing it, you know, who knows? It's up to them, but I expect Q1 next year. But it was the same thing that I had never ventured into it before. It was not something I'd ever done, but like I knew people. I worked at Magic the Gathering for a while. So like, you know, you just, you know enough people and you talk to them and then you figure it out and you make it happen, you know? And, uh, and if there's one thing that lawyers are actually good at, uh, truly good at, is that we are taught how to learn things you know, and where to look to find something and how to take a lot of new information and systematize it and learn it, right? And so it's not surprising to me, Rick, that you could pick up YouTube very quickly or pick up gaming law very quickly, despite having never done it before, because that's literally what we were trained to do, you know? Yeah, I, I often say that, you know, if I'm if I'm really tooting my own horn, am I, am I really saying, hey, these are my gifts? It's researching really, really quickly and thoroughly. Like that, that's, that's what I can do. You know, people talk about virtual reality episodes like sometimes I'm talking about topics where and I will say this in the video. It's like I, I don't have experience with this directly. Here's what the statute say. Here's how you interpret this. And then, you know, this is where it could go. Um, but, yeah, I can put that together. I know how to do that. Um, yeah. and, and that's if you have a good lawyer, that lawyer is sometimes saying I have no idea, but I think I know where I can find it. I mean, like that's that's a good lawyer. You don't want the lawyer that always knows exactly the answer to whatever random thing uh, you're asking them about because no human being on earth does. Um, so no, no, that's absolutely great. Although I'm not, I might pick your brain. I, you know, I never know. I might make a board game or a card game myself. Uh, I, you know, you just figure it out. Right. You just figure it out. You got an idea, you make it happen. That's, you know, whatever. That's the life of the entrepreneur. I suppose. I want to gamify contract negotiation. We can work oh, on that's, this together. Oh my God. That would be a lot of fun. I mean, it already is a game, right? I mean, I bet you we could, Oh, my brain is spinning. I'm I'm not even I'm not even talking because I'm just like spinning with ideas right now. See? See? Oh my no, god. We'll do that on DM. We don't want this going out on the stream. Just no yet. way. Obviously, no this is where way. we're getting our gold-plated toilets. So we're just gonna yeah. wait on that for just a second. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing I know about board game design, it has gold-plated toilets. Involved. That's right. I mean, we're that's all what we know. Rich, all all rich. indie board game developers are <laughs> insanely well off. Like that, I know that for a fact. <laughs> right like everybody is isaac childress out there uh just killing it with his 16 million dollar kickstarters or whatever so yeah uh sorry i'm trying to hide the frown right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean that that's that's the thing of it that's the thing of it but you got to do life's too short you got to do what you find fun and interesting and i i said this before but i'm so glad you brought it up as a topic here is that yeah learning is fun and it's like terrifying because you have no idea what you're doing uh, but that's that's the fun of it. And, you know, you, you learn this stuff and you learn YouTube. My biggest fear, by the way, was that like I was aimed at trying to get to 100,000 and get the cool play button and everything else. And my biggest fear was that if I would do the same thing <laughs> that I did when I made partner, which is like, <laughs> all right, uh, what do we got now? And I didn't. I still love this stuff. I still love chatting with you all. I really like Hangouts and Headlines because I, we do so much hanging out, much to some people's chagrin. Other people love it. You know, we're going to do a lot of stuff here. 
absolutely fast forward the crap out of me. Heck, downvote me if you don't like it. I, that's still feedback. I love it. Be constructive if you would. Uh, but but um, yeah, I, I think this is so much fun that we're having in this space. Um, and and you you got to love to do it. But I was saying this to you when we were trying to convince you to start doing some some YouTube content, Mark, was like it's there are days when you put up a video that you worked hard on that you, you, you put your time in and you go and you check on it and it's, you know, minus 35 subscribers. And it's like, you just have to kind of get used to that grind and you have to yeah. do it for its own sake. Uh, yeah. And if you're putting out quality content and you're proud of it and you like it, um, I, I find a lot of fulfillment in doing this and having these conversations, even when it says, you know, minus 30, because some of them even say plus 3000. You know, <laughs> even when your work uh, created net negative, <laughs> it is right. Well, yeah, net yeah, yeah. it's funny because it's like people could be leaving for other reasons. Like we have like some now oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming off the of trial course, right now, which is totally fine. It's like we're not covering exactly the same things that you might have uh, enjoyed when yeah. we were covering those things directly. So we have kind of a, like a natural uh, attrition happening. And then it's it kind of covers. It's like, well, maybe that video did that or maybe like the, the, the whole channel is is in this going plus this number but it's offset by this and it's it's just all the analytics there are very difficult to read in any event and so you just got to do what you like doing i wanted to talk about dunder mifflin today because i really like the office and trademark squatting is interesting and i want to do some hangouts on fridays more than even like serious headlines and then yeah sometimes i'm going to talk about final fantasy 14 billboards and sometimes i'm going to talk about dobbs i mean yeah. like this is a channel that is me more more than anything and so some people are going to like that. Some people are not, but like, that's, what's going to keep it going. So that's, that's what it is. If I just start trying to chase the algorithm or getting those plus numbers up, like it's going to die because yeah. I can't, that I can't justify that's, that. That's smart. And first, so one, I need you to promise me something. If you, if you hog yourself out of this, right. If you hit, if you get the play button and you're like, you know, Audis or whatever you have to red diamond would probably be like that i get the red diamond play button 10 million subscribers at that point i might be like you know what i accomplished this thing so <laughs> uh yeah and, and and you know what yeah absolutely when you become whatever uh PewDiePie, yeah yeah i was i was thinking what yeah whatever yes pewdiepie is fine enough i don't want you to become pewdiepie no but. no no unlikely uh, still reasonable minds over here <laughs> um but um Oh, you don't do, you know, again, this is video game. You might not know this, but I'm guessing some of your followers do. Um, Husky Starcraft um, was a very famous kind of shout commentator in the early, early Starcraft 2 days. We're talking okay. 2010, 2011, 2012. He was going around the country. He was making videos. He, you know, he got whatever YouTube numbers you could expect to get from being a very, you know, uh, a streamer. And then he just disappeared one day. And not only did he disappear, then he just deleted all the hundreds of thousands of hours of StarCraft commentary he had done. Really? Just, yeah. just took it all down. And and he said it without mention of why he did it. Um, eventually, four years later, like I think a couple of years ago, he maybe came out and said something that he's just the type of person that when he's over something, he's over it. And so yeah. he was done. I don't know if maybe there was something hidden in the archives he didn't want to find. <laughs> but but his thing was he was like, look, that's just how I treat life. When I'm done, I'm done. And and um, and now it's actually a very sad story because he's become one of those like lifestyle YouTubers with his oh, girlfriend sure. now where they do like, you know, camping in their backyard or whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all I'm whoa, saying whoa, is that's the plan for the transition of the channel. This is <laughs> We're going to be doing stuff. We're going to be walking through aisles of Walmart or whatever. We're going to be talking about fashion products. It's going to be great. And that is fine. 
All sure I'm saying is. is don't delete don't delete the old stuff. That's all is that you have a treasure trove. You have created a trove of incredible content. And I don't want to have to, you know, uh, subpoena the Library of Congress basically to get to get my backlog oak videos, you know. So that's no, I that's appreciate it, Mark. I, I don't see any reason why I would do that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm proud of everything I put up. Yeah, the guy um, who became partner and then leaves the big law firm. Yeah, I I see it. You don't see it. I see it. <laughs> and two, <laughs> hey, is the American office any good? I heard it's good. I like I like the office, although it like all kind of American sitcoms, I would say, at least of a certain vintage, it goes too long. It gets too caricatured. Sure. Um, but like the seasons like two and three of the office, especially are like really, really strong. Season one is them trying to rip off the, the British office, the directly, British, yeah. which doesn't translate terribly well um, because uh, Ricky Gervais uh, is a bit more, I don't know, biting. It's a bit more of a scathing kind of um, comedy. And Steve Carell. I don't know that he ever comes across as super comfortable with that. And then they find his voice. Um, and then Michael Scott is, is, is great. And of course, you know, you have Jim and Pam, um, which is, you know, one of the better handled kind of romance plot lines in, in an American sitcom, uh, especially of that era. Um, so I haven't watched it in a little bit. I don't know how it like holds up, but like season two, I remember being one of my favorite seasons when I watched it live. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I watched the the pilot because you know I was a huge fan of the British Office, and I watched the pilot, and I was like, this doesn't work. And he then I just, I just, and I just dropped it, you know. And so now I just missed whatever ten years of American. It, it's new culture. to you, though, right? That was NBC's old old tagline. I remember that. Uh, oh gosh. So, <laughs> yeah, those first six episodes are like the trial run, and it's I think it's like just British plot lines that they try yeah. to run. And then they, they, I would even recommend for people that are interested in The Office, just start at episode one, season two, because whatever they did to completely wash their uh, writer's room or what, whatever whatever plan happened in that summer, they fixed it. And and even episode one of season two is is strong. Um, and then and then they go from there. So what an incredible! It's a really incredible story on the cultural differences between the UK and the US, right? right? It's just that I don't think that Steve Carell can't do it. And in fact, you look at some early Steve Carell work and he he can be that sort of uncomfortable. Um, but like, we don't want to watch that. <laughs> like, well, we, don't get me wrong. Like, the office of America is very uncomfortable, but it's it's like, it's a bit different than that, that kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it properly. The British humor. It's um, sad. It's changed over to American humor. The UK UK office is sad. And it's like, I can't get my wife to watch it because it's just like, why would I want to watch these people just being sad all the time? I'm like, because it's funny. They're like, no, no, it's not funny. It is. And, and, and what's funny is if you ask somebody, it's like, that's where the American office fails. So like the Americanization of the office, at least over the nine years, is it starts out with Jim in the same place. Oh, I work at a paper company in the era of digital technology, everything else. Uh, but then it gets into kind of normal American sitcom rhythms. The the guys that you like are going to win the day most of the time. Yeah, sure. um, but it might be uncomfortable getting there. Uh, so it's it is the Americanization, which is is right to me. You try to bring over the office or coupling or whatever, and you just do it wrote, you know, sentence for sentence. It never works terribly well. Well, and um, coupling coupling is such a funny example to bring because coupling was literally the UK version of Friends. So it was so weird that they made. Friends in the UK, and then America re-imported Friends they from tried. the UK. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um, yeah, that was well said, by the way. That like the UK's problem is that they end shows too early, and the and the American problem is that they let shows go on too long. 
Like, yeah, I've always they, thought they should the, voluntarily end it. The UK model is super interesting and always has been to me with their shorter seasons and approaches and and the the fact that they have series that have like oh it was six years between this season and this season and we're like eh, we brought it back but it's not like a it's not like a big reboot or anything so that's just where season three was it was just people came back together five years later um, and. I don't think that American companies are good at it yet. I think of the Disney plus series that do six episodes and it's like, I have major problems with what they try to do with pacing and like they have filler episodes in a six episode series. Like they're still built on like us modeling. Um, and it's, it's like, no, no, you can't, we, you're supposed to get nothing, no fat on the, on the six episode UK series. Ideally. Well, can, <laughs> can I explain? I can explain why. Sure. Shoot. This is this is this is all contract entertainment law. Um, it's because the way that the U.S. contract structures are built for television is that the producers, who are generally also the creators, right? Uh, if you, you produce season one, you get basically zero money in the first season. You are and you end up foregoing all most of your cut, most of your percentages um, to getting the actors and to getting good, good quality crew. So okay. if you are the producer yourself, it is there, you are disincentivized to make something great in the first season. What you want to make is something that looks like it can be great five seasons out because that's, that's where when you really, money. that's, and that's, yeah. And so one of the biggest things that was interesting to me when I was in the industry and changing is that like, that's why miniseries is, and like small time, six episode things are just a very recent thing because the, the, the contract structure to make that didn't exist. That's why big little lies, despite the book ending at the end of season one, you still had a season two is because the producers needed to make money. That's why the leftovers where the, the book of the leftovers ends after season one, you have two more seasons of the leftovers. Hell the terror on uh, what was that? Uh, AMC, the terror, the second season doesn't even relate to the book anymore. It's just a new story um, that isn't even with the characters from the book. That's all because the producers are trying to find some way to actually make money and capitalize because our system doesn't, reward the creators in the first season it rewards them with higher back end uh in later seasons that is interesting that is there interesting but it still doesn't explain obi-wan to me mark <laughs> uh i have not watched obi-wan i can't comment comment on it um i'm sorry uh, i just want high production value well-crafted star wars damn it <laughs> well, you've got well i mean oh and you want it in tv form well, if they're going to deliver it to me in TV form, look, I would take it in movie form. I, I have to, I'm not in charge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm saying, I'm saying like they definitely, the movie output was, they were spending time on it. Regardless, we depart on whether or not we thought the movies, certain movies were successful or not. Yeah. But we certainly agree that they were spending time and they were making them look good and they were trying to put out high quality output. It definitely, when I was watching Boba Fett, uh, I started to feel like, oh, okay, they're figuring out how they can make an output a little cheaper and quicker. <laughs> Boba Fett. Now, yeah, and you take that, but to me, yeah, it does. This doesn't matter that much. But Obi Wan has severe production values, and I don't know whether that's because all the money goes to you. And I, I have no idea what happens with 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 that. Uh, but yeah, it, it's interesting, and I, I noticed this. Disney Plus is just a really interesting conversation. We could have it on a completely different episode. Of like, there is a certain cheapening of what is their marquee like assets. And I noticed this, I think most prominently with like Falcon and the winter soldier, when like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan show up and they're, they're just people, you know, they're, they're just dudes in a TV show 
and not the Winter Soldier and the Falcon as they've been in the 20 whatever episodes of the MCU. And it's like, wow, I don't think I had realized until that point that there is a risk here from putting this much content and volume out in this format. If you don't do it right, you're, you're actually kind of, not, you know, it's not gone, it's not destroyed, but like discounting what that product is that you try to put up in your tent poles and sell uh, to people at those marquees. So it's just, Disney Plus is going to continue to be fascinating to me because they really, I, not, a, not a single show that they've put on has like fully worked for me. And, and I'm interested to see if they can find that rhythm for me. And maybe I don't matter. Like maybe I'm just outside at this point and I don't, you know, it, that's fine. I, I, I tell people like the market isn't for me necessarily. Uh, and you have to acknowledge that at some point, not just screech at the winds. Although I'll probably still do that. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it, it's fascinating because I thought Obi-Wan was a complete miss. Some people really like it. So that's fine. Reasonable minds and, and all that. Uh, but I thought it was a complete miss. And it's, it's interesting to see these things evolve because they're, they're clearly working through issues at both the Marvel and the Star Wars and how to make TV shows and movies. And, you know, we'll see how Thor does this weekend. Um, but it's super interesting. All that stuff is great. So I'm just going to have you on. and We're just going to talk about like nonsense. Well, that's um, a really smart thing. No, I, I think you're right. I, I know you're trying to transition out of it, but I'm going to respond. And then, <laughs> oh, then you can transition out of it. <laughs> I like no guests can hijack. Too. Yeah. No, I have no, to but... I have to get to work life in a, in a few minutes. So we're going to be Never. doing. No, no, absolutely. Say your response. We have like 10 minutes left. But it was just kind of interesting that like, you know, there was a time when the prestige television was going up. Right. Like and people refused originally movie stars would never be in TV shows, right? Because like, it's just a different thing. It's just that it's, it's cheapening, right? And then all of a sudden prestige TV started to come up. And even though you weren't getting the Julia Roberts's and the George Clooney's in TV shows, we as an audience were recognizing that like it was much closer to movies, right? You know, and then, and so then, so you get more and more reputable actors starting to go in, but then the streaming comes out like it really hits and there's so many streaming channels and now so many TV shows. And now I feel like that prestige thing is now on the wane, but at the same time, now finally the real movie stars like Sean Penn and Julia Roberts being in Gaslit are now finally just believing in the prestige TV thing. But yeah. it's ironic because as you're saying, it, it's now on the wane. Now there's so much content. You're actually cheapening your own universes, your own star power, your own cinematic feel because you throw something up on disney plus which wasn't the case five years ago you yeah know, like it's great well, i remember having this thought very prominently which is like oh there was actually a risk here because i was always like throw everything at everything you know <laughs> i'm like yeah you got a you got a streaming service do it let's get let's get this stuff out there and i was watching falcon the winter soldier and i just was like oh i i'm not watching this this is just people it's like ah that's interesting um because i wonder how that'll feel for the next captain america movie um, and because you know, that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see if they've had this. I also agree with Brit here a little bit. I think the volume, which is the big Epic games, unreal TVs that they put around to now do kind of fake oh, yeah, yeah, lighting, yeah. right. That they built for the Mandalorian is a fantastic piece of tech, but like every fantastic piece of tech, it can be used wrong. It can be overused. And it, it, we don't even have like the guidebook yet ready for it. So you can't even like hand it off to the director to say, Oh, it doesn't do this. Don't do right. that. Um, and so like, <laughs> it worked in the Mandalorian. Uh, it worked, I thought, in the Batman, uh, where Disney, uh, you know, yeah. I think helped explain how that worked through WB. Um, and then I thought it, it died at Obi-Wan. Like it's the lighting or what they're trying to convey with it. Like it just it just didn't work properly. Uh, and so I think I love new tech. I think the volume is going to be super useful in very specific cases. It's probably not a be all end all solution for everything you could possibly want to do with it. Um, yeah. And so. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fantastic. Well, Mark, I am so happy that you dropped in. 
we really are going to just have to have, you know, we'll just set up, you know, randomly when you're available, we'll do a hangout. So it's just like, well, let's talk well, about, let's talk about TV and movie nonsense. You <laughs> know what? Hey, I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking to do that, especially now in the next couple of weeks. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking the bar in a couple of weeks, right? So my, I am studying 10, 11 hours a day. I am pushing off all of work. I've told like all of work. I was just like, I'm in crunch time now. So like the only time I have is when the dog, um, irresponsibly jumps on my bed at five 30 in the morning and wakes me up and doesn't allow me to go back to sleep. So, um, these morning hangouts, I was like, you know what, this actually might work as like the coffee. Although I feel like you said seven 30. And uh, and then I show up at seven thirty, and you've been on for an hour. So you maybe showed up I'm at eight thirty, seven thirty Eastern. Wait, oh, is Michigan Eastern? We are. Oh, that's my confusion. Okay, I was just sitting around drinking oh, coffee no. for an hour, waiting for you. <laughs> um, yep. yep. Well, if you had my Michigan bell on, you would have seen me on live, Mark. No, uh, uh, yeah. I do have the bell on just on the laptop because I have no interest in getting bells on my phone. Honestly, no, no. if you had a bell on, you could have, you could have had all the buttons on to within an inch of its life. It's still a 50-50 proposition that YouTube will mention. That, oh, really? That it's live. Yeah, their stuff works or it doesn't. Uh, depending, but no, I, I am Eastern. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll get it right next time, but yeah, we're doing well. Morning. If you're, if, if you like having me, you know, let me know, D DM me if you, if you want me to come back, you know, you don't have to say how you really feel about me in front of all of them, but, uh, yeah, let's, I would love to make your it stream happen. and then I'll talk to them directly. No, uh, <laughs> no, absolutely. I really enjoy this. Um, and good luck on the bar. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I remember, I remember bar exam and I remember finals weeks being times when I had to tell uh, co-counsel, it's like, no, no, not can't talk. No, yeah, gotta focus. Got to bear how, down. How did I pass this so easily seven years ago? Like I just I can't. I'm looking at it now, being like, this is how. What? How did I know this? <laughs> see, yeah, Michigan. So when I focused on Michigan, had the, the rule was that if you got a high enough score on the um, the multi-state, nothing else was graded. So I was like, all right, we're gonna study everything, but I'm gonna try to knock the freaking multi-state out of the park. So that I don't have to stress too much. That's um, an amazing rule. It was. It, the rule was if you if you got, I want to say ninety percent or more on the multi-state, then you're just you just passed. You just wave uh, in. And they didn't read. They didn't re read anything else. You still had to sit for the day and a half of essays, which I thought, you know, you could have you could have just run these through the Scantron last night and sent me home. <laughs> oh come on! Uh, but uh, hey, I could. It would have been cool. Um, but yeah, no, I was I, I was very happy to. Uh, my essays were ungraded uh, because I did I did well enough on the multi-state. Um, so that was my focus. It's like we have to have a strategy um, because I don't want to write really strange family law estates essays and try to figure out what it is you're trying to even catch me at. Well, that's the, that's the big <laughs> that's that's the big thing is that like I am doing very well on the on the multiple choice. Yeah, uh, but like remembering the rule statements to get full points on a secured transaction question that I, you know, like, it's just like, I actually can issue spot very well, but I sure don't know the rules. I don't yeah. know how it comes out. I don't know what, you know, oh boy. Anyway, that is something that bores your audience. I'll stop <laughs> talking about it, but it's literally the only thing I think about and why no. I haven't been making more videos is because I'm just buried in these books. No, I'm, and I'm super glad to see you. Hopefully it's a good way to start your, your long form <sighs> bar uh, review sessions. Yeah, I have to, I have to go continue to handle a closing right now. Uh, but tell folks, you know, where, where they can find you and, and what you're up to. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a ostensibly have a YouTube channel, uh, attractive nuisance, youtube.com slash C slash attractive nuisance. I have one video. It's an awesome video. Um, video. and I'll be Check doing, 
Yeah, thank you. And I'll be doing a Warren Court series uh, once I am done with this bar nonsense. Um, so I think Warren Court. Oh, okay. Basically, right. I'm going to be going through. It'll be an ongoing series. It won't be every video I make, but basically, I'm going through chronologically landmark cases in the Warren Court and the background of how it got there, what the law was at the time, and what okay. the thinking was that they made those decisions and why. Nice. Um, yeah, basically, I've been thinking about it for years and years and years, but now that um, there's a lot changing in constitutional law, I feel like a lot of people didn't even know what the constitutional law was and how it got there. And so kind of even understanding, you know, why we even have these sort of religious exemptions for this, you know, or why we have kind of um, is actually you know, it might be fun and exciting. Um, Definitely. And, and Warren's a crazy pants. Warren's an especially reasonable minds person. He was a Republican his whole life, almost was the Republican president. And then literally within four years of becoming Republican president or non-Republican president, he uh, becomes the fiercest liberal and progressive for the rest of his life. And then dies being an enemy to the entire party that he had like sworn his allegiance to and was the governor, the Republican governor of California. It's hey, very, he's, he's a weirdo. Yeah, I love his historical stuff. I will definitely check it out. I think the only so, historical case I covered here is Wickard because I hate Wickard so much. <laughs> we can talk about Wickard. I hate Raish. So, you know. You, yeah, we, well, they're, they're the same, two sides of the same coin, right? Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, so. So, well, anyway, yeah, and that's, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter because that's one thing I can do while studying and take a 30 second break to yell at someone on the internet. So you can find me at twitter.com slash Mark Calderaro. So that's where I am. Awesome, Mark. Well, thank you for dropping in, folks. Thank you for the hangouts. Uh, really loved it. Had a fun time this Friday. Have a great Friday. Have a great weekend. Uh, and then we're going to try to get back to normal scheduling next week and, and have some fun with regular hangouts, headlines and virtual legality episodes as I try to do multiple shows at once and run a law firm and we'll see how I do, but I'm having a lot of fun with y'all. Thank you for dropping in and hanging out with me and I will see you next week on the next episode of virtual legality.